T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, welcome back here on WGR Sports Radio 5, 15th edition of Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to jump right to the Western Hotline right now and welcome in Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 in Houston as he joins us right now to talk some Texans football. Brandon, thanks again for taking the time this afternoon now to join us in Morning in Houston. Thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys for having me. And I'm going to tell you right now, if y'all are having trouble getting in and out of the breaks, this is the worst time to bring in a long-winded Southerner like myself. <laughs> I can talk for a long time, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, the, there's a lot of... Uh... We have a lot of we have a lot of shows here that are very well known for being late to the break. I mean, our we have a show, reputation. We have we a have very a good reputation for being late to the break, so that's okay, Brandon. We'll we'll manage, and that's that's what we pay the big bucks for our producers to figure Welcome out home. when to when to get to break on time and everything. Birds of a feather, birds of a feather. It's the same way here in Houston. <laughs> very good. Well, Brandon. Uh, after a week one win for Houston, certainly it's been for the past two weeks for the Texans, uh, it's been a little troublesome with everything that's kind of been going on with injuries and with, uh, especially as of late, a couple guys going on the reserve COVID-19 list. Just how has been the reaction to the opening three games of the season down in Houston, Ben, with the fans? I, I do think that the Texans are better than what was expected, you know, coming into the season with all the backdrop of, Deshaun Watson, and even aside from the Deshaun Watson situation, just you look at the last couple of years and the the the, the talent dearth here here in Houston between you know losing DeAndre Hopkins last year, JJ Watt's gone now, and and you look at the team that the Bills played against you know two years ago in the postseason, and this is nothing like that team. I want to say there might be something like five starters remaining from that squad, so it's a totally different team. Total buzz killing Houston in terms of, you know, Texas being a football uh, football place and Houston being a football town and the football team not being very good. But to that point, Tyrod Taylor did look a lot better. And you guys are obviously very familiar with Tyrod. 
He looked a lot better than I think was expected early in the season. So seeing him go down with the hamstring injury and missing a few games and having to play the rookie Davis Mills a lot earlier than anyone would have preferred mm-hmm. has, I think, I think that's dampened a little bit what the anticipation was after that first game against Jacksonville where they scored 37 points and looked like a much more competent offense than anybody expected them to be without Deshaun Watson. And, of course, Tyrod Taylor was playing very well in that first half when he went down with the hamstring injury against Cleveland. So the Davis Mills experiment so far, it looks like how you would expect, you know, with a rookie out there. He doesn't look completely overwhelmed, but he's also a rookie. And so you're limited in what you can do. So I think that, you know, beyond this game, no one's given the Texans a chance to beat the Bills or even really be competitive against the Bills. But more than anything, I think at this point, Texans fans are more solely focused on the development, A, of rookie quarterback Davis Mills, finding out what you have in Davis Mills and what's the need to draft a quarterback in the 22 NFL draft and what happens with Deshaun Watson, do you have more picks, and obviously whatever the development of of some of the other young players that they have on the roster as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of turnover in Houston ever since the Bill O'Brien era came to an end early on last season with Nick Casario coming in and now David Culley taking over as head coach and still the uncertainty of the future of Deshaun Watson. I'll get to Watson in a little bit, but what what is the best way to describe this Houston Texans team as of right now and going into the future? The best way to describe them right now is old. Old and rented is how I would describe them. A lot of the guys that are on the team right now are on one-year deals. You think about a guy like Mark Ingram, who's their leading rush. Like, who thought in 2021 that Mark Ingram would be the number one running back for any NFL team? You think about that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Christian Kirksey is their top linebacker. You know, Justin Reed is probably their best defensive player at safety and he's a guy that they're going to have to make a decision about you know in his fourth season it's a contract year they're going to have to decide if they want to pay him and if they do what is exactly is he worth is he a star is he a star player at safety is he just a really good player and and so I mean I guess the best word to describe the team overall is uncertain and still experimental because a lot of the guys that are on the team right now you talked about Bill O'Brien a minute ago I mean, the, the, one of the major issues with Will O'Brien, aside from the, the headache deals that everybody knows about that made all the headlines, is just how he traded away all the draft picks. Now, to be fair, Nick Casario's dealt some draft picks as well just since he got here. But, I mean, that's the biggest issue with the team right now is that it's full of a bunch of guys who are on one- or two-year deals who don't project to be a part of the long-term future of the team. And then on the other side of that, they don't have a ton of young players because they haven't had these draft picks in the last couple of years. They don't have a ton of young players that they can hang their hat on. Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 joining us right now on the Wester Hotline here on WGR. All right, so I, I'll I'll jump to the Deshaun Watson situation right off the bat here. What is the latest going on with this situation, and how soon do you think anything could be resolved, or is this still just completely a, hey, we had, we don't know what the heck's going on right now? So the way that the Watson situation has been characterized publicly, and, and I would say it's been this way since, let's call it the offseason, let's call it the, the summer or the spring into the summer, post-allegations and lawsuits and, and, you know, into the summer and all the way up until now, the way it's been characterized publicly is day-to-day. And I think that that's really important for people to understand, especially as you get all of these national reports about what's going on, uh, what's being offered, 
are the Texans open to trading him or, or softening their stance and all these other things? Well, the narrative for a while, for, for months now, has been day to day. And if you read between the lines, what I take that to mean is, hey, if we get the offer that we're looking for, whatever that offer is, right, if we get that, we will trade the guy. Like, And that's a, that's a, a drastic change from how Nick Casario and David Culley, the head coach, who you guys are also familiar with, that's a drastic change from how they talked about Watson when they first got hired earlier on in the year. He's our quarterback. We have a plan for the player. We have no interest in trading the player. So now it's day-to-day, and that's how they characterize it publicly, and he's on the roster and inactive every week. He practices on his own. He does not practice with the team. He works out on his own every, every day with the strength and conditioning staff, and that's how he goes about his work. So my read on it is they don't have a time preference on when they trade Deshaun Watson, whether it's today whether it's before the November trade deadline, whether it's the offseason before the draft. If they get the right price, they'll trade the guy. I think it's just all a, all a matter of things settling down off the field. And, you know, these are serious allegations that he's dealing with. And so how does that color the way other teams look at him and what they're willing to give up for him? Now, it is important to keep in mind that Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause in his contract and so he effectively gets to decide where he goes. And I think a lot of people forget that when you start talking about trade partners. Well, the partners are limited to the places that he's willing to veto the no-trade clause. So if it's Miami, it's Miami. If it's Denver, it's Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's three or four teams, those are the three or four teams. So it's not really like what the narrative has been that, oh, they're waiting to find out what the draft positioning is of whatever potential trade partner is. Well, they don't, they don't actually have – the litany of, of options throughout the league to decide, oh, well, if such and such team bottoms out, then that's the place where we're sending Deshaun Watson. Well, no, he gets to decide that. So it's all about what they get offered and, and when they get offered that. And I think that if they find the right deal, they'll pull the plug as soon as they can. All right, Brandon. So you, you know Deshaun Watson. You have Tyrod Taylor starting a quarterback. He gets hurt in week two against Cleveland with a hamstring injury. He's now on IR. So you've gotten the chance to look at Davis Mills for a full game and a little extra in that Cleveland game. What has been your overall evaluation of Davis Mills? And do you, do you believe and do people in Houston believe that he could be a viable option at quarterback uh, for the time being, for the long term, what what are your thoughts on that? Better than I thought. I'll say that much. Now, full disclosure, I was not a proponent of them drafting Mills, even you know going back to the draft. I didn't want any of the quarterbacks that were available in the third round. So I, I was always skeptical of who, wh- whichever quarterback they would have found available at that time. So and Davis Mills would be included in that. Now, with that said. He's shown a lot of improvement from the time we first started watching this guy in training camp when he had one he had one practice where he threw like five interceptions and in 11 on 11 drills. We might have even lost count after that. It was at least five. And he's got a he's got a tendency to give the ball to the other side and we haven't seen a lot of that since he got uh thrown into the fire so to speak. Uh didn't turn the ball over at all against Carolina. One of the things with Mills is that you could tell and the coaching staff has copped to this, that they tried to ease him in a little too much. Uh, they might have been a little bit too safe with him and, and maybe underestimated how much Davis Mills could handle because once they opened it up a little bit against Carolina, he wasn't bad. And if you look at how he's graded out compared to the other rookies, I mean, he's right there along the lines with his peers 
Um, if you look at those numbers before the Thursday night game with, with Trevor Lawrence's performance, like just go think before that, and, and you'll, you'll see that he's right there with them. So, uh, so it's been better than anticipated. Now, when you talk about the faith in Davis Mills, I think that the fans are open and interested in seeing him play this year because, I mean, what else do you got going on? But the feeling is that your future is somewhere within your own pick that, you know, projecting that you'll finish toward the bottom of the league and whatever picture you're able to gather from the Deshaun Watson trade, that somewhere in there is where you're going to find your quarterback of the future, and it's not necessarily Davis Mills. But since this is all we got for now, we're all in on watching Davis Mills and figuring out exactly what that is. Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 in Houston joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Bills and Texans will kick off tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. We'll have the play-by-play action for you right here on WGR. So looking at the injury report here for the Texans, Brandon, it certainly doesn't necessarily look great. You know, Danny Amendola was ruled out with a thigh injury. That's a weapon for Davis Mills to uh, to get the ball off to. And, and Amendola's been a proven veteran veteran throughout the years in the NFL. Uh, some of the other notable names that that are, you know, questionable, Terrence Mitchell's questionable. Uh, you know, you, you got a couple of players that are going on COVID-19. Just how much of an impact are these injuries and illnesses going to have on this team heading into this matchup against the Bills for you guys? Well, two of the players that aren't going to be available that we know for a fact have at least recently been two of their best players. Zach Cunningham is their leading tackler, got paid last year, and while he's not very good in coverage, he is excellent against the run. And is somebody who, when you talk about, you know, keeping an eye on Josh Allen or trying to keep Josh Allen contained, which, you know, obviously much easier said than done, Zach Cunningham, at least athletically and physically, is a guy who you would look toward as someone who could do that. Um, Ross Blacklock, their second-round pick from a year ago, from 2020, had a disappointing rookie season and he's also going to be out. I think he's, he's the actual positive COVID test. And then Zach Cunningham is the close contact. And so neither one of those guys are going to be available. But Blacklock uh, had a disappointing year last year. Him and A.J. Epinesi, you guys' uh, second-round pick from last year, are comparable in this way because A.J. was available when Ross Blacklock was taken. And I know a lot of guys uh, out here, Seth Payne, former Texan, senior NFL vet who hosts for us here at Sports Radio 16, mm-hmm. was, was a proponent of, of – Drafting A.J. Epeniza um, last year uh, over Ross Blacklock. These are both guys who this year look a lot better in their second season than they did in their rookie season. And so that's going to hurt them. And they've already, you talk about the defensive line for the Texans, they're already uh, hurt depth-wise there with Vincent Taylor, another interior defensive lineman who went down uh, with a significant injury, I believe, in the opener um, so Ross Blacklock was a guy who was supposed to provide depth there and ended up having to play a lot more. And so when you look at those two guys specifically, I think that's going to hurt them a lot up front. Terrence Mitchell suddenly became their top corner after having Bradley Roby. They traded him to the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Mitchell somehow became their top corner. And he goes down with a concussion against uh, in that Browns game, his former team. And so they have been without him last week anyway. Um, so, so, yeah, they're depleted, and they're already a not very talented team. Um, so you would, you would, uh, it would stand the reason that any depth issues for a team that, that is dearth of talent the way these guys are uh, is going to hurt a lot. So uh, you weren't expecting this defense to, to cause a lot of trouble for Josh Allen, and they're certainly going to be 
uh, uh, hamper going into Sunday. Danny Amendola, I'll just say, was a surprise, really good signing for them right before the season opened, and he caught every single one of his targets in the opener against Jacksonville. Um, he seemed to be like a revelation, and you would think that would be really good for a rookie quarterback like Davis Mills. But, yeah, that's going to hurt him a lot. They've got Anthony Miller in the slot, somebody they traded for from the Chicago Bears right before training camp. So we'll see how that goes. He caught a touchdown pass against the Panthers. Uh, but, again, for a team that doesn't have a lot there, losing your top guys is obviously not ideal. So without Danny Amendola in the lineup, I mean, other than Brandon Cooks, who else does Davis Mills have to distribute the football to? Who Who's going to potentially be able to stand out for them uh, in order for the Texans to possibly have a chance to upset the Bills? Right, right. It doesn't look good, Brayden. It doesn't look good. It doesn't, I'm just, just got to be honest with you, man. It's, it's not looking good. Brandon Cooks, for what it's worth, is excellent. Runs great routes, catches everything. I mean, the only knock on Brandon Cooks is that he's just not a big body guy. He's only about 5'10 and whatever he weighs. But other than I mean, he plays big, excellent receiver. But outside of that, I mean, you're look, I've mentioned Anthony Miller. I mean, you're looking at him in the slot. Chris Conley has been a bit of a disappointment on the outside as their second receiver. Farrell Brown, their, tight, their top tight end, has been injured ever since the, the end of the season opener. Hurt his shoulder and hasn't quite been the same. They don't have a lot of pass-catching options is what I'm getting at here. And then you look at what they say their identity is or what they wanted their identity to be going into the season. They were going to be this run-heavy team, bringing in a lot of the concepts from Baltimore with David Culley coming in here and Mark Ingram, and they signed Phillip Lindsay, who's also been a disappointment, coming out of Denver. You know, they can't run the ball worth anything. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as how, like, how to protect Davis Mills or how to help him help himself, they don't have a running game, an effective running game, at least up until this point from what we've seen. And outside of Brandon Cooks, those options are limited. I, I would like to tell you that, you know, Chris Conley should scare you or that Anthony Miller should scare you. Um, but beyond that, they got practice squads guys coming up like Chris Moore. And, you know, it's just, it's just not enough to get it done. So, uh, so expect the, the Bills defense to, uh, to really have not, a, not really a tough time uh, against a limited Texans offense. Alright, so Brandon, I'll just be straight up honest with you here for, for my final Texans question at least, because I do want to ask you about the Astros and, and their outlook heading into the MLB postseason with it coming up here in a little bit, but I was watching the Texans game against Carolina uh, in week three on Thursday Night Football, and I'll be honest here in saying, watching this team, I thought there's no way the Bills should have to play Josh Allen and a lot of their starters into the fourth quarter of this matchup just because just with the way that the offense really couldn't muster a lot of action against the Panthers and and just how they handled the Panthers pass rush and and also just the way that the the defense were trying to contain like DJ Moore and Sam Darnold and and their effectiveness it just to me seems like uh, that Houston still has a lot of work heading into the the long term future for the team. So, uh, wh- where this is going with where I'm asking you is how what's the best way for this Houston team to try and beat the Bills and be effective enough to remain in the game and have a chance to pull out a, a surprising victory? I think a lot of people would call this uh, if it actually were to happen. I think offensively the Texans have to abandon this idea that they're a running team. And I'm, I'm not saying abandon the run game entirely because uh, that would obviously be drastic. 
but uh, abandon this idea that you are a running team and let it rip with Davis Mills. Like, I, I honestly think that they looked a lot better when they opened it up for Davis Mills. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to sell you on this guy being the, you know, the, the, the future of the franchise or, or, you know, some kind of other version of Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. I'm just saying that they're so bad running the ball that I, I think that most fans here would tell you they, that they probably trust whatever it is that Davis Mills has in them more so than they trust this running game. So I, I think that opening it up with Davis Mills is probably going to be their best option. Now, I just told you a moment ago, he doesn't have a lot of places to go with the football. So good luck with that. Right. Defensively, defensively, I do think that up front they're not too terrible. Now, again, the Ross Blacklock thing I think is going to matter because in that Carolina game that you mentioned, he had a strip sack and he got pressure on the quarterback and he was really good. Uh, probably his best game as a pro so far. Um, but sort of generally, this defense, the strength of it so far has been – up front, the defensive line, and then Justin Reed, who I mentioned earlier, is a really good safety. I wouldn't say necessarily the caliber of safety that you guys have out there in Buffalo, mm-hmm. but a really good safety. And so defensively, I would say if they can do better in coverage in the middle of the field, and, and I imagine that the Bills have noticed this on film and Josh Allen is, is going to do his best to pick the Texans apart in the middle of the field and Lovey Smith, uh, Tampa's 4-3 base, uh, zone-heavy coverage defense that where, look, the way to beat them is the middle of the field. The linebackers don't play with enough depth in, in their coverage, and the safeties play too deep. And you mentioned D.J. Moore. That's a lot of what he was getting uh, on, those, on those chunk plays against the Texans was right at the middle of the field. So if the Texans can tighten that up a little bit and, and just be a little bit more resistant at how much they're giving up in the middle of the field – and if there's not too much of a drop-off on the defensive line without Ross Blacklock, they got some decent edge rushers in uh, Jacob Martin, Charles Aminahue. Um, Whitney Merciless is still there, a shell of himself, but uh, has a couple of sacks on the season. They can get to the quarterback a little bit, and, and, and I'm not sure how much I believe in, in the Bills' offensive line. I know, you, I know they played a lot better uh, most recently, but, but, but that's the strength of the defense. Up front and, and Justin Reed kind of roaming around, being nosy and trying to make plays. He didn't play, obviously, in the, in the Carolina game because of a knee injury, and they missed him. So, so with him back and hopefully for them, tightening up a little bit uh, in, in coverage and what they do in the middle of the field, that is their best bet. I'm not going to even say to win the game because I, I just don't think that that's even possible. I'm not giving them any chance to win the game. But to make it not embarrassing or, or if they want to cover this what seems like a historic spread for an NFL game. I know you guys were talking about that a moment ago. If they got any chance at that, uh, that's what they got to do. Be, be disruptive up front, um, which they've shown a, a little bit of an ability and tendency to do, and, and be a lot better in what they give up in the middle of the field. Well, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you get in some quick thoughts here on the Astros here, Brandon. Brandon Scott from Sports Radio six ten in Houston joining us right now. The MLB season officially coming to an end this weekend as uh, the playoff races will wrap up. The Astros have already wrapped up the AL West. I mean, not not much of a challenge really uh, out in the West, but I mean, certainly, what what do you think the chances are for the Astros this year to make another deep run in the postseason and, and maybe win a World Series again? I think they've got decent chances. I'm not picking them to, to win the World Series or even go to the World Series for that matter. I think that's going to end up being the Tampa Bay Rays. I do think, I do like their chances of beating 
the White Sox in uh, in the ALDS, especially if they wrap up home field advantage, and I think that they will do that. All they got to do is win one game or have the White Sox lose one. So that that seems to be pretty much a wrap. And the White Sox, uh, if you look at it, especially amongst the, the the playoff teams, are one of the worst road teams that's out there and one of the better home teams. And the Astros obviously play well at home as well. So I think home home field advantage matters specifically in that series. And, and again, look, this is one of the better offensive teams in baseball, if not the best. A lot was made about the sign-stealing scandal, and rightfully so. But even since then, this has continued to be, you know, a, a dominant team at the plate. So I, I think they can rely on that. But the places where you're concerned about the Astros, if you're an Astros fan, and I, and I know the folks here in Houston are aware of this, is, is the pitching. They don't have the starting pitching that they had when they made that World Series run. There is no more Justin Verlander. Obviously, they didn't. They didn't win a World Series with Garrett Cole, but they went to one and had a chance to win one, lost in seven games. They have nothing that resembles that now on the pitching staff now, even though Lance McCullers has had, you know, a career season as their number one pitcher. You know, Zach Greinke is a shell of himself and is probably going to pitch out of the bullpen, and he hasn't done that in, you know, almost 15 years or so. So, and to the point of the bullpen, they've made drastic moves since the trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline, trading their starting center fielder, uh, just to just to bolster the bullpen, and we're still not exactly sure how good the bullpen is. And as we, as we most of us know, when it comes down to the postseason, especially in recent years, how good your bullpen is matters a lot. It matters a lot, uh, almost as much as your starting pitching. So, uh, so offensively, we love the Astros and and their potential. Now, they also have a tendency to, to go silent. The bats have a tendency to be real inconsistent and streaky and go silent and. You know, obviously this would be the worst time of the season to do that. Um, but but when you look at the pitching, it's got to be a concern. Um, and you look at the teams that they're going to have to go through, I'm thinking about the White Sox. I'm thinking about more than likely the Rays who I'm picking to, to go to the World Series and their pitching and especially their bullpen. Um, you gotta like got to like their chances better. But, um, but they've got just as cha- good a chance as any other team when you look at the talent up and down the roster. Well, be sure to follow Brandon on Twitter. Brandon K. Scott is his Twitter handle. You can follow him there and uh, and also check him out over on uh, sports on odyssey.com slash sports radio 610. Brandon, appreciate the time you took uh, for, for someone who said it was being long-winded. Wasn't too bad. Thanks again for taking the time today to uh, talk about the Texans and, and best of luck the rest of the way for the season and best of luck to the Astros as well for you guys. Yeah, yeah, man. I tried to keep the breaks in mind and kept, kept my, my my rambling pretty limited. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, and hopefully we get to do it again. Absolutely, soon. absolutely, man. Thanks again. Have a great uh, rest of your Saturday. All right, you too, man. Thank All right, you. Brandon Scott from Sports Radio six ten in Houston joining us on the Wester Hotline. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get you some news and notes from around the NFL because there is one particular player that. Uh, He's not going to play this Sunday, and it's a little bit of a homecoming for him with a former team. He will not play. It's um, yeah. So we'll we'll go around the NFL. We'll get some news and notes from around there. We'll talk some more Bills football, even some Sabres hockey. Plenty more to come. Pat Malacaro joining us at one o'clock right here on WGR. And we're back. We're back here on WGR. There we go. I can hear myself now. 
Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week. Nate enjoying a little time off today. He'll be back tomorrow for Bill's pregame coverage here on WGR. He'll be back on at 8 o'clock for both Bill's game day and then at 10 o'clock with Countdown to Kickoff. Nate will also be here for the halftime show as well as the overtime show tomorrow night after Bill's postgame coverage with Mike Shope and the Bulldogs. So, again, we'll have you completely covered for tomorrow's action. It all starts at 7 a.m. with Breakfast with Bill's Fantasy Style with Louis DiBiase and Derek Kramer. So I tease going into break. There was a player that has officially been ruled out for tomorrow's matchup against a uh, former team of theirs. And if you couldn't get that vibe uh, with with a with a player playing against the former team, the notable former team, uh, it's not Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to play against the Patriots as he plays for the Bucks now. But his teammate Rob Gronkowski is not going to play against the Patriots. It's uh, being re- reported widely that Rob Gronkowski is officially out for week four against the Patriots. Uh, he's not even making the trip to New England uh, to join the Buccaneers on the trip. So he is officially going to stay back in Tampa Bay to continue rehabbing his rib injury that he suffered last week against the Rams. No Rob Gronkowski for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Certainly something that, I mean, I'm going to be doing the best I can to tune in tomorrow to watch that game. Certainly because, I mean, it's Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. It's Tom Brady playing against uh, his former head coach in Bill Belichick and his former team with the New England Patriots. Should be a fun, entertaining game. And the NFL obviously did right by putting that uh, in primetime on Sunday Night Football. Uh, running down some of the other score or the other scheduled games tomorrow. Uh you know, <laughs> joining a Survivor League for the first time, it certainly is one of those things where I am more cognizant of the rest of the league and the rest of the games going on around the league and having to pick a team to win every week. And, um, well, this week this week I'm going with the Bills. I'm going with the Bills picking the Texans in my Survivor League uh, that I'm in. I think that it's just... <sighs> Again, it's so hard for me not to think about this game as just writing it off as, you know, there's nothing to worry about with this Bills team. But again, watching that game last week, as I've talked about with Sal, as I talked about with Brandon Scott last segment, if you missed that, you can rewind on the Odyssey app or you can uh, check it out on demand at WGR550.com. But it's, it's almost hard to envision just having to really worry about tomorrow's game with the Bills and the Texans. The way that I watch the Texans, I mean, clearly, they, uh, yes, they got the week one win against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a terrible team in itself. Urban Meyer, I don't know what the thought process was to bring Urban Meyer in in the first place to be the head coach down there, but certainly Trevor Lawrence is not exactly in a great position right now. And, and yeah, he just needs one breakout game to really kind of get himself, I think, back on track, but... Not a great situation for the Jaguars, and the Texans beat the Jaguars in week one, but since then, weeks two and three, you know, Tyrod Taylor got hurt against the Browns, and they were up against the Browns for a little bit, and then Davis Mills comes in, and the Browns come back and win the game. But watching last week's game against Carolina, and it's, and mind you, it's Carolina, like, they're good. Like, I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to be a team that is going to surprise a lot of people this year and be the second best team in the AFC South and capture a wild card. Cause they're not beating Tampa Bay. There's, I don't know. There's not many teams that are going to beat Tampa Bay this year. The bills could easily be one of those teams, but there's not many that, that are going to be able to legitimately contend against the Buccaneers, but watching last Thursday's game between the Panthers and the Texans, because survivor implications. Again, I picked the Panthers to beat the Texans and they did. So good for me. Uh, but the Panthers just, 
the way the offense was operating with Sam Darnold hitting DJ Moore in in a lot of nice routes and and also the way that they were able to move the ball relatively well against the Texans defense and the way that, you know, Davis Mills is he is he good is he not? Like there were a couple things that I saw that were just like, okay, you know, he, he's rolling out of the pocket. He's able to, to to throw and, you know, he's he's got some wheels to him when he needs to, but I didn't necessarily come out of that game with, with what I watched, especially thinking, man, the Texans are going to put up a great fight against the Bills. I did not think that one bit at all watching that game. And it's hard because, I mean, the, again, the line is 17 points. It's absolutely incredible to see the type of line that's being put up for the Bills and Texans game in Orchard Park coming up tomorrow. Could the Bills... Could that be 17? Could it be a 17 point deficit and the, and the Bills win? Like, sure, I could easily see that. I don't know, man. I, I just, I just watch this game, or I, I just think about this game after what I watched last week with the Bills beating up on Washington and after watching Carolina beat up on Houston. And I just can't help but to, to look ahead past this game, and I really don't want to, but it I just can't help it sometimes. So Bills-Texans tomorrow. Looking at the rest of the NFL schedule tomorrow, some of the more notable games. Speaking of the Panthers, they're in Dallas to take on the Cowboys. The Panthers are one of the few remaining 3-0 teams left in the NFL as of right now. The Panthers are one of those teams. The Rams are one of those teams currently sitting at 3-0. They take on the Cardinals, by the way. The Rams and Cardinals both 3-0 going at it this weekend in Los Angeles. The Broncos of all teams are 3-0, and the Raiders are 3-0. How about that? Chiefs dead last in the AFC West. Raiders and Broncos at the top, and then the Chargers sitting at 2-1, especially after the Chargers just beat the Chiefs last week at Arrowhead, mind you. So the Chiefs will look to rebound this week. They're taking on the Eagles. I think that should be a, a relatively easy game for the Chiefs to bounce back. The Eagles just kind of... I mean, Jalen Hurts is... He's fine. I've nef- I haven't necessarily been blown away by anything Jalen Hurts has said other than in his uh, post-game comments where he... He, he brought out the whole, if you, you take a deuce, you don't look at it, you flush it down. I, I mean, that's a, that's an all-time quote right there. Put that up on a banner. Put it up on, in a Hall of Fame or something like that. That's a great NFL quote. So the Panthers, though, they're one of the remaining undefeated teams. They're going up against the Cowboys in Dallas. I'd probably pin the Dallas as more of the favorites in that one just because, you know, Dak Prescott has looked really good to start the year, and the Cowboys seem like they, they've got things going offensively for them. Their defense looks good. Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Diggs' younger brother, uh, looks really good as well. Uh, Colts and Dolphins, I'm not tuning into that one. That's that's going to be a, a snooze fest. Uh, Browns-Vikings should be interesting. You know, the Browns with uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, and and their offense, and seeing the the type of success that potentially they could have repeating in the uh, AFC North, especially with them being favorites to win the division this year, that should be an interesting game. And you know, Kirk Cousins last week, and the Vikings were able to defeat the the uh, Seattle Seahawks, which was kind of surprising. Uh, Saints Giants in New Orleans, Giants fan, just 
bless you if you're a Giants fan, because some of the New York teams right now, speaking of another New York team, the Jets are at home taking on the Titans. Bless you, New York fans, because, I mean, the Giants, the Jets, I mean, they're technically New Jersey. I get it. I understand. But they are New York. Uh, the Mets, I mean, the Yankees are fighting for their lives in the, I mean, they're, they've got an advantage right now in the um, wildcard chase. You know, they're up by a game on Boston for the first wild card spot. Boston is currently one game ahead of both Seattle and Toronto for the wild card. Again, we'll talk more about that with Pat Malacaro coming up uh, at 1 o'clock. But certainly, if you're a New York Giants or New York Jets or a New York sports fan right now, God bless you. Again, Chiefs taking on the Eagles. That I think the Chiefs would would win that one. Cardinals for, uh, Cardinals Rams is the game that is I think going to take a lot of attention away from all the other games coming up in the afternoon because two three zero teams, two high flying offenses, and a couple of defenses. Like the Cardinals defense is so underrated, and I think they get overlooked so much. But that's going to be a really interesting matchup. And I and and if you are if you do have the defenses of both those teams, I almost want to say. Probably bench those defenses for the week. Uh, if you've got another defense, because the Rams, Cardinals, they're just going to come out slinging the ball. 49ers, Seahawks, Ravens, Broncos, Steelers, Packers. That's a that's a good old-time matchup in Green Bay. That should be fun. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday Night Football, which we'll have here on WGR between the Buccaneers and the Patriots. That coverage begins at 8 o'clock. Westwood One's coverage here on WGR between those two teams. And then on Monday Night Football, it'll be the Chargers and the Raiders. All right, we'll break here. We'll come back, wrap things up real quick, and then we'll jump to Pat Maricaro at 1 o'clock talking some Bisons baseball, some baseball in general, and also we'll get his thoughts on the Sabres because the Sabres are um, underway with the preseason. We're a little under two weeks away from the start of the regular season. And we'll get some thoughts from Pat on the Sabres as well. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week here on Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Real short segment here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Brayton Wilson here with you today. Real quick, another injury note for this weekend's football action. The Steelers, who are already without Deontay Johnson at wide receiver, are now without another wide receiving option for their matchup against the Packers this week. Chase Claypool has officially been downgraded to out for tomorrow afternoon's game in Green Bay. He's dealing with a hamstring issue that he suffered in practice. So uh, some bad news for the Steelers, who... uh, (laughs) who did not look good this past week and don't really look that good on offense at all under Ben Roethlisberger. So certainly something to pay attention to, especially if you have fantasy implications because I know Chase Claypool is a big play for a lot of people. So yeah, just be mindful of that. No Chase Claypool for the Steelers. All right, we'll step aside, go to break, and then when we come back, we're going to have Pat Malacaro to talk about the Bisons and how hot they've been recently. Also get some more thoughts on the rest of the MLB in the playoff chase towards the end, as well as some Sabres hockey. We'll get some thoughts as well as training camp and the preseason have officially opened for the Sabres and are underway. Brayton Wilson here filling in for Nate Geary this week. One hour to go on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.